Welcome back to The Last Thing I Saw. My name is Nicholas Rapold, and I'm here again talking to friends about the movies we've been watching. Joining me this time is Eric Hines. Eric is curator of film at the Museum of the Moving Image, as well as a veteran of journalism and criticism. We discussed some new possible opportunities for his film institution during these times, and then we got into the movies we've been watching. Nicholas Ray's They Live by Night, an unsettling 1971 Vietnam vet film called Welcome Home, Soldier Boys, St. Jack, directed by Peter Bogdanovich and starring Ben Gazzara, and Eyes on the Prize, Henry Hampton's landmark work about the civil rights movement. Along the way, I also ask Eric to catch me up on The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan series, and I learn about a competitive sport involving beanbags. Let's go to the conversation. Welcome to The Last Thing I Saw, a podcast about movies. My name is Nick Rapold. I'm a editor, critic, bon vivant, um, housebound, like so many. And I have a podcast that I talk about movies on and get smarter people than me, take time away from them, and make them talk about things for our entertainment. It's really quite terrible of me, but also I'm lonely. But enough for the confessional part of my podcast. I'd like to introduce my guest today, who is the lovely and talented Eric Hines. Hi, Nick. What a what an intro. What a what a what a <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm lonely. I'm lonely too, though. So it's fine. We can we can do that together. It's true. Um, we're going through a lot, and we're going through a lot separately. So it's great that we can can uh, connect this way. Yeah, I just thought I'd set set the the mood there, and we have nowhere to go but up now. <laughs> it's just going to be laughs and maybe a few larfs, even all, all varieties of laughter. Uh, but no, I mean the good thing is that I, I you know, I and seeing all kinds of movies that for one reason or another um, had not been able to see or, you know, were pushed off by some ultra relevant new release I had to see that was, you know, ultimately not something anyone will will remember um, versus things that maybe weren't remembered um, a while back. But before we get into this, how are things at the Museum of the Moving Image? Um, well, I haven't been there since March 13th, <laughs> um, uh, in, a, in a physical <laughs> sense. Um, yes. But but no, I've I mean, nearly every day since then has been wrapped up in museum-related matters. Yeah. So I'm 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 the curator of film there, and I'm very proud of what we've done over the last several months in terms of staying together as the best that we can, you know, despite layoffs and furloughs and to continue to do things that are public facing, putting events together, conversations, having guests, you know, linking our, our, our audience uh, together in some fashion outside of our building. You know, we've experimented recently with certain things. We did a retrospective online for the filmmaker Jeannie Finley, um, whose mm-hmm. work we had planned to do a retrospective uh, around uh, with her new film Seahorse. And we were able to pull that off, mostly because uh, Jeannie's work, except for one title, uh, is stuff that she controlled. So we could actually, you know, create a Vimeo page and present it on our website, something close to what the way we would present it uh, for screenings in our building. And we, we, you know, we did it a different way than we would have in the building, which would have been, you know, a screening or two over the course of, say, a weekend. Um, 
and instead we made it available for an entire month you could access her films and it could be accessed around the world as well so you know in in, in principle it's it's a it's a strong idea and it's something that we'll probably can try again in the near future mm-hmm. um but what you know what are the advantages of being online instead of in the physical space as many disadvantages are there as there are what what might the advantages be mm-hmm. um so you know that we're, we're toying with things like that mm-hmm. and and of course then you also have uh speaking of the things online you have you've been doing you know new releases as well and in, including one mm-hmm. uh tomaso a new abel ferrara film you know it's it's mm-hmm. uh not every day that that you get uh a chance to kind of just sit with the ferrara film in that way is it when you when you watch it in public it's, is it sort of like an out-of-body experience because you i don't know like you're so aware of who's made it yes. but you're also trying to keep track keep track of what's actually on the screen and there's a dissonance but it's not a bad one but it's yeah it's it's hard to ground yourself i think that uh, i don't know if that's what yes, you're going yes, towards, that's exactly I, exactly I and then part of it is also just i mean he's he's really i know he doesn't live in new york anymore but what you know when when you watch it i'm somehow i I'm aware of New York when I watch it. And in, and you know, sure. so far recently I have not been in New York when I've watched his new movies. This is kind of a solipsistic view on this, but uh so there always seems some dissonance <laughs> like when I watched his his uh, other new film um in Berlin. Uh you know, it's yeah, definitely a sort of out of body experience. I mean, it's already a movie that's kind of like this fever dream. Um but you know that's mm-hmm. maybe more um, able um, sp- specific than uh, than some other movies. Um, but there's also that, which is it, it's, we can, we don't have to get into this, but it's interesting when New York filmmakers um, make films outside of New York and how the New York in some ways becomes even more enhanced. Yeah. You know, like I, I think of like I, I have a godfather who lived who's from Staten Island, like I am, but he's lived in Australia for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And every time I connect with him, he screams like where I come from. <laughs> there's just something. There's a quality there that here he is surrounded by Australia. He wears flip flops, and somehow like it, it's just like no, no, you, you're you're you know it 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 shines through. Yeah. And I think that Abel Ferrara is like that in terms of these films that have been, he's made over in Italy and Europe. Um, you, you can't mistake you can't mistake where that guy's coming from. So, well, that's, yeah. So Tommaso is one thing I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing at home for the home experience of that film. Um, I mean, but what have you been watching? Uh, you know, I'm sure like, you know, most people who, who are working your, your hours are just un- unlimited, but uh, have you had a chance to uh, <laughs> see, see something just for leisure? Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, can, I, I don't know that I can talk about viewing without putting it in the context of all of it, because I do think that I'm, I'm sort of all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, working from home and working, you know, fairly regular, if not long hours um, in my own home space leads me to needing to get the hell out of the house as soon as I can <laughs> during the day. So I, I, I take long walks and I have a friend who lives nearby uh, who is in a similar situation where he's working from home and working uh, alone or living alone. And so that becomes really, really important. And so like my viewing time begins, you know, around dinner time or soon after dinner time. And, uh, I, I it's still, it, though it, I feel like we're, we're, we're now in month four of, uh, of living in the pandemic. I feel like I'm beginning to become more disciplined mm-hmm. about viewing about what, um, what I maybe I should be looking at because probably I'm looking at 
a program, the possibility of programming in the summer and beyond. So I can start thinking about what that might look like for me. So it allows me to become a little more disciplined, but I'm still, that said, uh, a bit all over the place, you know, so, um, I'll do uh, <laughs> Um, I, being a man in his forties uh, or a person in his forties, um, I still, I still, um, when I want to shut down or I want to turn away from my work, I have this desire to turn on the TV and be able to kind of flip around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up with cable and, and remote control. And, uh, that does for me what few things do in terms of just sifting around this and, and that sense of discovery, that sense of just wandering. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I need that. And, uh, because I, I I caved a couple months ago and I really, really wanted to watch The Last Dance, the ESPN series. I went and subscribed and got Hulu Live, which afforded me all of a sudden the access to uh, all kinds of things. And, and I've had a hard time letting that go. And though it's not the same thing as flipping through, it allows me a little bit to dip around. And so I can... You know, and and basically the most important thing is that I have that access to ESPN, which is a these these are terrible days for ESPN. I mean, they couldn't be worse. Um, but I'm fascinated by that because in some ways it's like the early days of ESPN, um, and where they didn't know what to show if they were on 24 hours, so they started showing things like cornhole, which I've been watching a fair amount of. Um, and now, if you ever want full analysis of cornhole <laughs> strategy nick i have it for you wait what is um, i i don't what is cornhole it is beanbag toss wow <laughs> okay. it is literally a bag of beans being thrown into a hole at a distance <laughs> that's what the sport is um but you know I, I remember years ago i lived in london and i got really into watching darts on tv mm-hmm. you know which is one of those moments where oh i have a problem like my brain is conditioned in a certain way that i can actually get enjoyment watching people throw darts on television <laughs> um and this is the same thing where i'm i it's very similarly uh you know presented actually where there's a split screen often there's one end there's a person tossing the beanbag and the other end is just a close-up of the hole um and you're watching to see where the bag lands um <laughs> this is incredible anyway <laughs> It's it's not easy. It's hard. And I, I know the strategies now. Um, and it's fascinating because they can play it during the pandemic. They're all wearing these like skull, you know, badass bandanas on their faces. Um, but they're all mostly all white men of very unathletic shapes, um, which is, again, you don't get a chance to see that very often in a sports uh, contest. Um, anyway, so I, I, I'll do things like spend an hour watching cornhole. Um, I'll, I'll also make my way to TCM and really watch whatever's on in the middle, which I love, you know, and I love, you know, the, um, the, the, the way that um, these days when you watch things on, on streaming services like like this, even though you're watching live TV, it does immediately tell you what you're watching, which is actually unfortunate. Cause I love being oh, yeah. in the old days watching going through cable and then having to guess what it was. And there's no IMDB and you had to watch 45 minutes before you had any grasp of what this film might be. Right. Um, so I, you don't have that quality, but I also, you know, I don't know, just watching things midstream and then electing to go back to watching the full film. I've done that a few times. You know, I did that with, uh, uh, they live by night. 
the Nicholas Ray film, which I had never seen. Um, and I knew all about it and I knew that I needed to see it, but coming in at midstream and trying to figure out who may have made this thing, um, was wonderful. Um, and in a sense made me appreciate that it was him and it was what that film was, you know, having not seen a frame of it previously, I, I assume you've seen that many times or, and yeah, I, I did. I mean, this is, it's funny. I mean, that is a movie that slots into one of my, um, most cherished, like movie going runs, which was, uh, a Nicholas Ray retrospective at film forum. I want to say 2008, somewhere around there. Um, I pitched it. So I had an assignment to write about Nick Ray. So I, you know, I had the excuse to watch just everything and just, um, it, you know, it's, it's, and it's, as you say, you know, you watch that movie and, and, and connect it with, with his work and, um, just the, this, this sense of this, you know, moody romanticism there. Uh, it's something yeah. that, you know, is, I remember having this phrase in my head, this, the, this island of us, um, that sense of two people in love uh, and, and that keeps cropping up um, in Ray. Mm-hmm. Having mm-hmm. that mood within the context of a, of a, of a plot that, you know, might, you know, is, 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 was sort of a dime a dozen in some ways, you know, yeah. gunmen on, on the run. Um, and so, yeah, that is definitely a special film. How did it strike you? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, all that, all that holds for me, it, it, it yeah, there, there, there's, there's something about him working with material that is not very original. And, you know, there, there's, it, it sort of works. It's, a, it's perfect material for that film of that era. Um, but then the, the different ways that he, what he emphasizes, where his focus is, you know. And so there are these those scenes of the, the two of them when they're alone. And, and, and he'll just cut to, he'll just, he'll, he handles close-ups so differently, you know, mm. that, where there will be a softer inset basically of one of their faces where they in a sense get into an almost dream space oh, yeah. uh, where, he, where he allows them to, to just kind of have a moment of, 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 of romance and grace and, and like present tenseness when this plot is basically hurtling everything forward the rest of the film, yeah. you know, he like takes, he respects those little moments of, 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 of connection and beauty knowing full well that as soon as that shot is over, it's likely their mood will change as soon as the shot changes, you know? And, 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 and then there's a way in which that looks clunky because it it almost seems that there's a different emotion cutting from one angle to the next. Um, but I, it's, it's beautiful actually. Um, so if I can imagine watching that film in 1948, 49 and feeling like that, that was sloppy, um, (laughs) if you were not prepared or you're not necessarily getting on his wavelength, but coming at it from where we're coming at it, where at least for me, having seen most of his films after that, but having not seen that um, it's amazing to sort of see that level of stylization already popping through. Yeah. And I, and, and uh, yeah, those kind of moments that people will fetishize when they happen accidentally or so-called accidentally in, in B movies of the time, you know, these, these strange little private moments and, and him, uh, Ray just, you know, steering into that. Uh, yeah. uh, that reminds me that uh, yeah. Detour was, was a, as a movie, uh, not recently, but I've, I've revisited during this time. Um, okay. that'd be, now yeah. that makes me want to go see, um, they live by night again. Well, it, it, another thing is too, like I, I, I developed this, you know, that weird necromancer quality of, of, of 
falling madly in love with, with Kathy O'Donnell, <laughs> um, <laughs> who, um, as it turns out, died tragically at the age that I am now. So in some ways, maybe it's less creepy. Oh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I obviously had seen other films with her in it, but had never focused on her the way that this film focuses on her um, and was absolutely smitten by her presence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she, that, that, that reminds me of another thing about that. Cause now when I just picture her face from and both of them, really, another thing that Ray seemed to do was just to acknowledge how young people were and, and, and just and yeah. youth and, and the vulnerability of that. Um, and not like, you know, a kid or a child, but, but, really at an age i mean it's you know and makes perfect sense then that you know rebel without a cause would be um you know on, on down the road um but oh, just yeah, yeah especially with the close-ups you're mentioning I, I just when i visualize them to just it just seems so soft and baby-like and even his name i remember granger's character's name is bowie but when i watched it oh, i yeah. thought it, they were saying boy i thought it's, yeah I, always <laughs> always i just no, I had to look it up. I had to look it up because it, 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 my, my, I, my, my ears kept making boy yeah. out of it, which I think is entirely intentional. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she makes a big deal about how much of a boy he is when he says he's 23. Yeah. And usually those stories are about an actual 17-year-old. Right. <laughs> um, but, but this acknowledges that he lost his childhood and that he's still a boy even though he's at the age where some other contemporaries may be long married and having children, like he's allowed to be a stunted boy. Yeah. Even in his twenties. Yeah. And, 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 and that's not, and we're not judging him for that. Yeah. And she sees him that way too. She immediately identifies him that way. Yeah. It, it's always such a funny moment when that happens in uh, movies be, before, I don't know, let's say the sixties or something where, where someone actually says someone's age and you, and you just, I mean, all these movies condition you <laughs> with their costume design and production design that they are like just people in a movie. Um, and then when you actually get a beat, you're like, what? You know, I, I don't, <laughs> you're dressed like a middle-aged man right now and you're actually, you know, 20, but, but in this case, you, you, you know, you entirely believe it. And actually going back to detour, there is this time where the guy that Tom Neal hitchhikes with and then takes over his, 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 uh, his identity says at some point right, that he's right. like 35 or something. And he just, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know the age of the actor uh, playing it, but it's, again, it's just like a shock because he just, I mean, I, it, it's, they're, they're like movie years on top of real years there. And the idea that someone has an age then, and then I begin to think, what are people doing in their twenties or thirties in the forties, you know, and, and the premature yeah. amount yeah. of experience too, that someone like boy might've had, had he gone to world war two, which is sort of the foundation of a lot of film noirs, mm-hmm. like psychological terror. It just all, I don't know. That's that's all. Just also comes when some the age actually pops up at some point. I don't know. Well, that's the sort of factor that at least gets me thinking about resituating myself in that time and space, uh-huh. right? Like you can get into the narrative, you can get into the plot, you can get into the relationships. But when something like that pops in, immediately like something else happens where I'm thinking, oh, right, exactly what you're saying. How old would he have been in World War II, which was four years earlier, et cetera, et cetera, which just brings, which would an audience of that time is just simply living through. Yeah. You know, that's not something they have to necessarily, they don't have to do that math. So for us, it's actually really useful, I think, to start just transporting myself a little bit from within, in, into the into the, the space of the yeah. film. And, and and I think age can do that. Yeah. Um, and especially when you realize that what it meant to be that age in that time means different things. Yeah, absolutely. But it does not. Um, now I'm going to kind of prompt you because I, this is a movie that 
anthology uh, film archives gave a run to. Uh, so I actually, I'm curious where, where you saw it. Maybe it's somewhere really obvious. Uh, but uh, St. Jack is another movie you, you were saying that you'd seen. <laughs> I don't know if this is an interesting segue, given what we're just talking about. <laughs> No, it, it actually is. I mean, it is it is a, a, a noir of sorts. Um, and yeah, so St. Jack is just one of those films that I'd convinced myself I'd seen. And I think there's an embarrassing amount <laughs> yeah, of those. Yeah, very familiar with that. Where like, <laughs> you know, where oh, I saw the cover in a V, you know, like it, when I was, you know, renting VHS tapes in 1983, 84, 85. That is a cover I saw all the time. Um, and I knew of Ben Gazzara and then I wound up seeing other Ben Gazzara. Films. I just convinced myself I'd seen the film and then, um, it popped up, uh, well, it, it, for two, two different things. It, it popped up on my peripheral on Amazon prime. One of those things where it pops up like on the, you know, like also suggested or viewers also watch. Right. And I, and I kind of had that book of recognition and I was like, Oh, I don't think I've actually seen that. Maybe I should like sneak it in and, pretend I've always known it, you know? Um, and then I also, I was doing these other things where I'm watching a lot of old YouTube baseball games and I, for various reasons, um, sometimes socially with friends remotely, but then also just kind of poking in and immersing myself in the moment of that time. And I watched a random game from 1979 and I started getting into whole like reveries about 1979 as this really transitional gear and just kind of interested in things that happened that time because there's not a lot of, there's a lot of grand narrative of that of that of uh, of that particular year because it's like the it's after a lot of movements both in terms of movies and music, um, and it's it's a transitional political year anyway. So like I, I started getting fixed on that and and then I realized that Saint Jack was seventy nine. So then I got really excited about watching yeah. it. Um, so that's what brought me to it. And then like the from the first shot, this kind of like three sixty tripod pan. I was like, I definitely have never seen a frame of this film. <laughs> and also I'm in love. You know, I, I, there's just sort of, it is not a film that could be made today and nor should it probably be made quite the same way, <laughs> right. but I'm also immensely grateful that it exists. Um, and it is a space that I, I, I was very happy inside. Um, and it was not only because of its that the aesthetic from the way that Robbie Mueller shoots it, um, to the way that Ben Gazzara, like, his every movement and word I'm in love with in the film. It's just when you, when you have a relationship with an actor and you respond to somebody the way I do to him, it's just, it's a dream, but then also just in a narrative sense, it's a, it skips time without signaling it. Mm. Um, it, 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 you know, years pass and you could easily never, never notice. You'd just be super confused. Um, and, and that approach just really works for me here and feels right and feels right to the milieu. Briefly. It's a, it's a film about a, Basically, an expat American pimp in Singapore, um, and these kind of like recurring meetings that he has with uh, a, a kind of corrupt English accountant, and and it's really just about the impossibility of doing that kind of that line of work as an American product of imperialism. Yeah. So, wait, 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 so you saw it at Anthology from Archives. All, all that comes to mind is just his. Is 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 uh, is Gazara's just face, I, and and that's that's almost the same thing with like killing of a Chinese bookie and, and and something like that. You know, I, I he just looms over it. Um, so I'm going to uh, watch that again and and report back. Well, he, and he's got he's got like a in terms of Gazara, he has almost like a James Cagney quality. 
where you can't not watch him no matter what he's doing. And he's not small about it. Like, he's small. He's smaller than James Cagney in terms of walking through space, obviously. It's hard to be... Hard not to be smaller than Cagney when it comes to that. But just the way that Cagney turned every little utterance into something that you just needed to hold on to, like a ball. Like you just wanted to, whatever the word was, whatever the expression, it just becomes an object. Because ours like that. Yeah. You know, every single person he passes on the street, he has some phrase for or some greeting. And it's, there's, there's a sense of warmth and actual connection, but it also feels like there's an angle there. Um, and you just, you, you kind of dwell on, like you, it almost goes, he, he doesn't say a ton throughout the film, but you, in some ways I'm collecting everything he says as he's saying it. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it, it repays, uh, it, re, it, it pays off reviewing it. So I yeah. encourage you. No, I'm looking forward to, he's also just an actor with his characters. You just hang on, on each word and he has a way of suspending you in, in a great way. Um, mm-hmm. a, a master of, of many different little varieties of you know, conversational pauses and, 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 and things. He also seems as interested. He's also like entertaining himself while he's entertaining you. Yeah. Which is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's something of the, like um, the conspiratorial sense that you get with, with some Gene Hackman performances to um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, letting you into something and I'm enjoying it just as much as you've cracking this thing, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Also Peter, it's a Peter Bogdanovich film. He plays a main role in it too. Um, and it's fascinating to sort of, um, again, the, the math, the math game where I'm, I'm revisiting this and realizing that he's in his late thirties and there's something about his whole aura and presentation and body language as if he's like 15 years older. Mm. Um, uh, which of course he's playing a character in a sense he's playing, you know, uh, yeah, somebody even wiser beyond his years than him. But then there's also something about it that feels like, oh no, this is, I know this guy and it's Bogdanovich now. <laughs> He's already playing Bogdanovich um, <laughs> as the sort of like sage right. in 1979. He's been <laughs> on the town for maybe 10 years and somehow like he's got this quality about him. So yeah. it's, just, it's just interesting to, to transport yourself yeah. to that. I, I, I guess interviewing like wells and 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 uh you know what we'll do that too you start absorbing some of it i don't know i I think he was yeah (laughs) Uh, well that makes me think of of something i saw from the 70s welcome home soldier boys which is from i want to say 70 or 71 kind of remarkably early for for what it was it's about vietnam vets returning and it's just a gang of guys who are just kind of friends, pals, and they decide to take a trip cross country. Um, clearly don't know what they want to do next. That's most of the movie is them just screwing around with the money you get from, from dis- at, at discharge, I guess. Joe Dom Baker uh, is, is sort of the leader of the crew. Um, they kind of look to him to, to, to lead the way. And that's for most of the movie. Uh, but being that, I guess it's a kind of drive-ins last 40 seconds you know street grindhouse film i mean it's 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 a film that that i know um because the director of maniac william lustig yes william lustig oh oh Um, he he made this he did not make it but he showed it he showed it in uh, a grindhouse series again actually at at anthology now that i think about it so and and that's one of the things he, he, he he showed what happens is after all this cross-country carousing um, and just, you know, little moments that you wish they weren't really romanticizing uh, along the way, um, they land in a town where they really need gas 
And so the, the pump, they're trying to open the pump. The guy doesn't want to come out to do anything. And so Joe Don Baker is getting really impatient and starts cracking away at, at the lock on the pump. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's <laughs> shots are exchanged. And what ultimately happens is they click into their Vietnam, you know, commando squad, uh, which is almost became like a plot plot device basically you know i mean you'll see this a lot later in the 70s and then certainly the 80s when you know Mm -hmm. rambo or something like that you know where that just clicks on and of course but this is there's some there's a a bit of that into five bloods too yeah yeah very 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 true yeah just tapping into into that um and i have to say you know even for even having seen all all the mileage of all those different vietnam war movies about people you know snapping or cracking this this one was kind of terrifying the extent of the destruction especially just coming like two or three years after like you know 68 and and all, all the upheaval of 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 the, the, the 60s and state violence it's very, it's very early within the vietnam it is yeah films because it's it's vietnam is still very very much happening yeah in 71 so that's yeah. Yeah, it's remarkable. When I when I checked the year out, I just I, I couldn't really believe it. Um, and yeah, they basically treat this small town as if it's a you know a village suspected of harboring the Viet Cong or something, uh, and just mm. go person by person, house by house. Um, for some reason, they happen to have a whole bunch of guns and, and grenades, um, but I'll, I'll let that slide. I don't know. I mean, how exactly they transported it, I don't really know. Um, there's always this vision of this like secret clandestine pipeline of cash drugs and guns um which is kind of part of um who will stop the rain i guess um mm-hmm. later on mm-hmm. it's definitely effectively shocking it's around the time as, as husbands is there anything similar in terms of like uh, bad fellas bad behavior before it becomes it sounds like an exploitation <sighs> film is there something about that's really interesting that's- they they they're they're definitely young. I mean, they're younger. They 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 don't have any of any of the responsibility of, of families. They're not chafing against any of that. It's less of a study of of those kinds of bonds later in life. Maybe a little bit earlier in life. Uh, I mean, I do like that they themselves like. There's there's no mystery about who they are. They're just. I mean, they might as well be just like kids who get off from college or something. Um, also has that rhythm of like you know a lot of dry, a lot of kind of driving shots, uh, a, a lot of these you know s- sunset hour um, cinematography, uh, romance of the road, and uh, alternated with them just screwing around in, in ho- hotel rooms. But they, but there is still something something true in in, in what 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 they're up to. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's I I, I couldn't believe. The ending just nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing redemptive, um, mm. and it, it is generally sh- shocking to see that kind of destruction. I mean, just wholesale murder, massacre. Obviously, looks forward to Taxi Driver. Like the more you watch of like early seventies, uh, uh, more I watched of, of early seventies. Um, you know, exploitation. It's uh, it's just remarkable how much is is that is huge in the DNA of Taxi Driver. Like right. Taxi Driver, if a movie, Taxi Driver is Taxi Driver, but it is it is amazing how it's just directly in that lineage. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, a, 
which, which is, I mean, not that it's like the pastime that I would, we would recommend to anyone to, 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 to sift through there and find right. all the, the antecedents of, uh, of taxi driver. But it's also, it's important to know that, right. It's not something that was, came out of nowhere that, that it, it was building right. upon a genre in a sense, or, or as well as a, a mood, um, and, and, and taking it somewhere else. You know, in some ways, it, yeah. it doesn't lessen a taxi driver, and it, 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 it makes you realize what what it's an advocate. You know, the, the the waters it's it's entering into. Yeah, and also how alert and 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 open a filmmaker like that would be to to f- see something in that energy. Um, you know, and I I mean also you know what I'm doing now, just talking about these movies as if I, I mean I don't consider them like forgotten gems. I mean that's the whole that's a whole discourse that's come and gone al- al- already, like in terms of, you know, Tarantino, or whatever, getting yeah. off on the kind of climax that's just so wrong, you know, yeah. of a movie yeah. like this. Um, and it's kind of nice to be able to see some of these movies, uh, you know, watch a couple others like that um, and not have to see it to that scrim that are those bloody goggles of, 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 of kicks and, and that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's useful about the forbiddenness um, of it and the rule breaking of it, um, because that has its flaws as well sure of course it does yeah but yeah that's that's welcome home soldier boys available in a fairly murky copy on 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 youtube uh but it's 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 there it's it's definitely there okay all right um um i i I did want to ask i mean if you want to talk about i know it's kind of already been talked to death in, in other um areas um can you tell me about the last dance? Because I want to see it, but I ultimately. Well, I mean, listen. I mean, you should have watched it when everybody was watching it. And I'm usually somebody who, who doesn't, who like really, uh, you know, reacts negatively to that thing. And I'm not somebody right. who often watches shows when they're happening. I often don't have access to whatever channel people are watching things, so I, I have right. to catch up to it later. And then I'll find my own moment, and I will. And I think that can absolutely work with the last dance. And I think it will have its merits when you do. Um, but there is something about that particular series that it is flawed, but also is it's, it's speaking in, in so many different directions at once to so many different moments in history, as well as, you know, popular culture and your relationship to basketball or lack thereof. Like there's, there's just so much that was happening that was essential. I found to talk about it and to be involved mm-hmm. in the conversation around it. Um, because you wanted to almost like, because you because it was an era that I lived through, it allowed me to then actually for the you know the ways that people watch series and review them and have discussions around them and they'll conjecture what's going to come next, and I mm-hmm. don't really engage in that. I don't, it's not necessarily how I think or operate. I'm just there's the work and I want to see what the work does. <laughs> I don't feel any ownership on what the work becomes because that's right. the job of the work. Um, whereas this, it couldn't help but spend time thinking about how it was going to handle the next chapter because I watched the next chapter unfold or I kind of dimly remember the next chapter and I'm curious what's going to emerge from it. And that relationship Mm. with watching the weeks progress and figuring out how they were going to handle certain problems was pleasurable. You know, listen, it's a, it, it is, it is definitely more interesting than it needed to be. It is definitely more, um, problematic than it needed to be as well. Uh, and the thing is, it is now a document that uh, will always stand for what it's like to knowingly make a work of hagiography while trying your best to subvert it and kind of failing to do both. 
which is <laughs> really interesting. And again, this is not even me condemning the film because I watched every second of it and I think that there's a lot of really amazing things in there that I, I'm so glad that I, I had. But And I think its failures are also part of what makes it revisit. So I guess by, I'm making a claim on, that you should revisit it or you should watch it because those problems are w- amazing to watch un- unfold. You know, the yeah. ways that it um, seem it thinks it's protecting him and then really, really is not. Um, or that it's elevating him and it's really not, um, are, are there, there's, there's something there that I've, I've never quite experienced before. Yeah. It is much stronger. There's 10 episodes. It's much stronger one through six than it is seven through 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and I think if you watch it and you start getting into it and you get as far as six, obviously you should watch through. Um, but if you don't respond to the first couple episodes, I can't imagine that you're going to, you're going to need to keep going. Right. Okay, I think I can handle six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and again, if you've done the six and you feel like, you know what, I got to watch the other four, yeah. you, won't, you won't regret doing so, but yeah, I think you'll be a little bit less satisfied. Well, it's something I've, I mean, I, a lot of people have, have I mean, I, you know, you've written, written about this, of course, documentary series versus, you know, feature documentary is something that's just been on my mind a little. Eyes on the Prize oh, yeah. um, is, uh, is, 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 it's just been absolutely riveting i'm just been bowled over uh, by that its accomplishment the the, the density of it that, that it's all kind of primary players and that that was a rule of, of its construction um it's completely remarkable even when you think it's stuff you know backwards and forwards yeah uh, which i think is part of what it exists to combat um in addition to just featuring um you know all, all these participants and heroes who were still around when it was made you know in the, in the 80s mm-hmm. um but that's a movie where it's like you know, do I dare going back to something like crisis or something now, you know, now it's, it's very interesting to put this alongside the idea of like traditional verite film, um, which, and and that time frame. I mean, obviously can't say like one is better than the other, but it is something I've been thinking about those two ways of taking things apart. Also as a person who has been kind of tired of a lot of documentary series um sure, you know sure. still still one of my favorites uh over the past few years now is 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 wormwood the errol morris one right. partly because it's all about endings and like not knowing when the ending comes so it's actually like perfectly unified with yeah. its form yeah. um given that it's about a guy investigating the just totally incredible but true murder of his his father at the hands of the government and whether there's truth to that how he finds that truth you know I, I might be curious to see the last dance also in that regard yeah i mean where that fits into that uh, what you're proposing i'm not quite sure i mean well, i'll just say that eyes on the prize you know, as as and you and I are are, are both uh, journalists in in certain respects of our lives, or part of who we are, and to mm-hmm. see a film that is so so well researched, you know, just yes. so thoroughly committed to presenting everything that can be presented, and that not weighing it down whatsoever, but that giving it such purpose and thrust. It's, it's beautifully made and it's beautifully told, but it's coming from that place of. Of, uh, of of getting this right, getting this story down, and 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 that can be a real strength to storytelling rather than getting in the way of storytelling. And I think too often right. the series, um, documentary series phenomena is about it's about where it's going to show up, and it's about um, you know keeping us at the edge of our seat. It's about kind of engaging us over a long period of time because that's where it's at right now, which doesn't not necessarily fit 
the material itself. Right. Yeah. It's 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 true. I mean, this and, and also in a sense, in terms of storytelling, it's it can be kind of ruthless because it's like, okay, we we've done that. We have to go to the next. It's like all of it is like. Uh, you know any part of the civil rights movement you could you do a whole movie on obviously of course, yeah uh, but but they had to be like i mean watching this that you just you just think of the decisions that had to be made and it's a, amazing and all um, the work that document. went into maybe 10 seconds of screen time sometimes exactly you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and also i you know god i mean there's just things of wallace in there like who's alive at the time and I, I don't know. I, it's a movie that I think gets kind of lost because because it was a PBS series and because um, maybe people think of it in, in terms of like... Having seen it in school. Yeah, exactly. But it's actually like one of the... I mean, again, I'm not like making this discovery here, but, uh, you know, Henry Hampton did did something right he there. Sure did. He sure did. Um, and I would say also what Eyes of the Prize was, was, was created knowing that people were going to be watching it episodically and also watching it maybe in isolation of other episodes. And I think that's a strength mm-hmm. in terms of it's how it's created. Yes. You know, we showed a legacy screening of the, the Selma episode of, of mm-hmm. Eyes and the Prize at the museum. And it absolutely plays as a standalone, you know. Um, yeah. And I think that ability for each of those episodes to 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 play to have an impact says a lot like there's no there's it's it's not about um cliffhangers you know it's not right. about that kind of forward momentum through history it's not how it's structured that's not how it's that's not the the, the the mood of the thing and i think it's it's strong for that yeah while simultaneously having a slight remove i mean i was sort of primed for this by uh colleague nelly nelly killian that it, they talk a lot about the strategy and that's another mm-hmm. layer to it that's also remarkable so there yeah there's so many different ways it um gets into these events and so it's constantly kind of surprising you and that, and that, and that point in history when the series came out that was emerging from kind of impassioned scholarship that had been going on to kind of reclaim the civil rights movement away from the yeah. kind of great man narratives um and so like that's that's a really valuable document and for them to approach it that way at that time um it it, in some ways it it changed the course of our understanding of the civil rights movement from that point forward yeah that reminds me that you know this has always been kind of a pet peeve of mine about um you know some of the more famous works of 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 verite or direct cinema in the 60s which is that they are in one sense or another they are kind of about great men mm-hmm. um and 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 that structure of it which is you know is is, is a soupçon of my um <laughs> love for um frederick wiseman where you know he's oh, yeah. quite content to have you know coppola have a have a bit part in a central park or something like that but uh, you know not uh, <laughs> you know that's about it <laughs> yeah no he's not he's not i mean uh, you know direct cinema has a it's attracted to movie stars you know or it's, yeah. it's seeing non-fiction people real people as potential movie stars which is amazing and revolutionary in its way but um yeah has a it, it, it can too easily slip into that territory of the great man narrative yeah. and wisen works yeah. directly against that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a better way to a better way to say it. Um, all right. Well, I think uh, I've I've probably um, nattered away too much here. So you, you no, I'm I'm, have, I'm I'm the I'm the resident natterer in this time. You brought me <laughs> on to natter. And I'm, <laughs> I hope I I hope it was not too unpleasant. But yes, no, this is was, great. It, this is it, great it, to talk to. I mean, I, it's always great to talk to you, Nick. So we can we can we can save our mutual viewing of regarding Henry for next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People will wonder. Let them wonder. Um, 
But I do want to end um, before we part ways with one other bit of of news. Um, since you know, I, I saw in the in the in a press release um, relating to your place of work, um, Museum of Moving Image, that you, you've received a a grant, an NEH grant for a um, quite appealing amount of money. Um, <laughs> seems like a lot of great stuff will be in store. So whatever you can talk about that. I mean, it seems it's based largely around online um, platforms. Yeah, I mean, it's, and- it's a very specific, I mean, you know, other institutions around the country got this, but it, it's it's very specifically about how do we handle being a physical museum um, who needs to operate online in various ways. And instead of it being kind of a temporary pivot to keep ourselves going, which is necessary for so many places, how, you know, how can we, in a sense, um, find a way of sustaining or making that the online aspect of ourselves part of who we are going forward. Um, and that takes mm-hmm. a lot of work. Um, and it's hard to build something like that in the right way when you're scrambling to survive in, in, in a time like this. And so that grant basically gives us till the end of the year. It really is sort of contained in that way. It exists till the end of the year to dedicate some resources and time and energy and thought towards figuring out what that might be, what that looks like. And we had ideas and we had ideas for what that might be. And uh, I'm glad the NEH wanted to support those ideas. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that exist already for us, but we just don't have the time to do right, you know, and it's supporting Reverse Shot, the journal that has been associated with the museum for quite a while now. And um, we've not had sufficient funds to, to support that to, to our consternation. And despite you know, our efforts collectively, um, you know, David Schwartz is a longtime curator of the museum, uh, who's now over at Netflix, um, was a huge supporter of, of reverse shot. So I didn't want to call him out for keeping the lights mm-hmm. on in terms of that relationship. And now we finally have an opportunity to, to put some resources to that and to sort of see what reverse shot going forward might look like, but also like the living room candidate, uh, initiative that has been around for a long time in terms of political ads. This is the moment where we need to be focusing on that more than ever and to be able to have a little bit of support to make that happen. Um, but also thinking about what our collection would look like online. You know, we have this massive collection of physical objects that we've never really been able to properly um, digitize or, or present in a way online. This allows us to try to think about what that what that could look like. Um, and then also equipping ourselves so that when we do get back into the museum, the things that we do in the building might exist uh, online in some fashion, um, mm-hmm. whether it's audio or visual, so that, you know, our audience can can in theory exist all over the world. It already does in some ways exist all over the world. And we found that through our online events the last couple of months that people are tuning in and connecting with us from places that are far from Queens. So we're yeah. taking a little bit more seriously that there's, there is that audience and that they are looking to us for something. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it'll be exciting to see uh, what, what happens. Obviously reverse shot dear to us both and clearly a, a great uh, vote of confidence for, for, for the work. We can definitely look at it's going to be innovated, you know, at other cinemas and, and, and other organizations um, can help it. But, you know, call me the eternal optimist. But, you know, I love to hear things like this and, and, and look forward to what everyone's going to be doing um, out there. Uh, and so I, I don't want to keep you any further from 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 your good works. Um, but Eric, <laughs> thank you again for, for taking the time to, to chat. Um, it was a pleasure. Real pleasure, Nick. Thank you for having me on to do this. I was super jealous when I saw that other people were doing this. So I was waiting for the call. I was waiting for the call. That's how that's how petty I am. So I really appreciate you well, for making the call. No, I, it's overdue. Um, all right. Well, we'll do it again soon. Um, yes. But for now, yes. farewell. <laughs>